The Online Trust Alliance is out with its 2013 Data Protection and Breach Readiness Guide. What are the tips in here for individuals and organizations so that they can be better prepared? Hi, this is Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today with Craig Spiesel. He's the founder and CEO of the Online Trust Alliance, and he's going to share some of his insights with us. Craig, thanks so much for joining me. Good morning, and thanks for providing the opportunity to talk about these important issues. Craig, for those that might be a little unfamiliar with the Online Trust Alliance, can you tell us a bit about the organization, yourself, and your work with the group? Yes. The uh, Online Trust Alliance, or OTA, was founded in 2004 as a group of business and and technology leaders that were looking to address some of the uh, key issues that were affecting online trust. In the early days, the, the focus was on email and today, the organization is a nonprofit. We've grown globally to over 100 organizations looking at everything from email to websites to how to better protect your privacy and your data. Well, Craig, as we said up front, OTA has just released the 2013 Data Protection and Breach Readiness Guide. I'd like to hear a little bit about the genesis of the report, how it came together, and really who the target audience is. The report, actually, now in our fourth year, um, has grown substantially. The genesis of it, as many of our members internally uh, were talking about some of the threats, we had uh, some working committees to start to share best practices. And what became very clear is the need to um, develop some guidelines and share them and get beyond the choir, so to speak, and to provide prescriptive advice. And part of this was, as we were hearing and observing more of these these breaches or data loss incidents, seeing the common threads, seeing some common areas that were overlooked, and that if we could get ahead of it, we would actually be able to better protect businesses and their customers. Now, Craig, as I understand it, the guide pulled together information based on trends from past data breaches. What are some of the common mistakes that you see individuals making that impact their organizations, maybe even in ways that they can't see? Well, I think the first area that's uh, the fundamental flaw that we've seen in when a data loss incident has occurred is that the view that this is an IT issue. And reality is in companies that, that do not take a holistic view of data security and data privacy really set themselves for, for failure. So, for example, the IT department can, can secure your servers, but they can't secure the, the employee and how they treat data. They can't really secure the process in which an individual group might work with a cloud service provider and share data. So until you take a holistic view of data privacy and data security, you're going to really open your organization to a high level of threats and compromises. So that that uh, is the first thing um, that we've seen. Um, Some of the things are very obvious, and if you look at uh, our data or you look at the Verizon report, uh, over 90% of the leading data loss instances could have been prevented. And some of them start at the very top, patch management. I know we all are hesitant to update our servers sometimes, but what happens is a significant number of breaches or incidents are as a result of known vulnerabilities have the operators of the servers been updated. So that's one of the key areas. Craig, let's talk about some of the recommendations that the OTA outlines in the guide. Speak to some of those and what organizations can be doing and where they're missing the mark as well and need to show some improvement. Well, I think the very first thing in data security is revalidating the business purpose of the data you collect. The second one is revalidating who has access to the data. Um, And then the third part would be 
how to how to protect the data. So on the first point about revaluing the business of, of collecting the data, what we find is organizations after a breach in many cases were unaware at senior levels that this data was being collected. There's individual pockets within the organizations that maybe thought they could be used in the future. So I think that's one of the foundation things, why you collect in the first place. The second thing is who has access to it. All too often is uh, access management uh, is provided to employees. They may move to different parts of the company. Uh, they still have access. They may have passwords they don't have op- um, updated. Or they may be using third-party cloud service providers and move out of the organization. And when the employee leaves, uh, while the IT department gets their card key and removes their access to the servers, um, you still have open access to third-party services and such. So again, access management. So these are some fundamental operational things. If you pivot the discussion a little bit on the technical side, is data encryption. And and again, while we don't want to get into the merits of one form of encryption versus the other, but any data that's being stored, any data that's being transferred, really needs to have to be encrypted today. And it, there's many alternatives out there. And these are some reasonable steps that businesses can can take immediately. Craig, if I could follow up on that, please. What about the personnel side? Do you find that there is a skills gap in terms of readiness and data protection with the personnel versus the sophistication of the threats? I, you know, it's a great question. And you add to that the bring-your-own-device and employees. And, again, it, it's the awareness of the data that they're holding is it, a challenge. And so um, education and awareness on both privacy and on, on data security needs to be um, reinforced throughout the company. It's everyone's job. The other area, I think, as you go to is what happens when you have a breach and, and do you have a plan in place? And that was the other objective of this report, is to illustrate the point that all companies collect some form of personal data the second point is someday you will lose that data. So the third point is you must be prepared. And that's having a very thorough plan of who do you notify, uh, what are the appropriate forensic steps that you take, and what should you not do, and how do you communicate with customers. And those are also company-wide issues that we recommend, whether you're a small business of 20 employees or a large business of 20,000, you need to have a, a playbook, so to speak, and be prepared to respond to a data loss incident. Now, one of the guide's recommendations is for the creation of a data lifecycle strategy. What does this entail? Who has to be involved? And how do organizations begin developing this strategy? Well, this is, you know, speaks to the point where it's everyone's job. So you have marketing that's collecting data or operations, and they're sharing data. What should they be keeping? How long should they retain it? And when do you get rid of it? And how do you destroy it? It's another component of that. So, you know, as you go through that cycle, for example, when we find that someone has credit card numbers that are five years old, well, one, you would question why they're keeping that. The second thing is, as we know, credit cards expire, and so the company would have been a lot smarter to have an effective way of destroying that data. So you need to look at it through that life cycle where it goes. And it's, it's the life cycle of the data, and it's also the data flow. And as we become more reliant on cloud service providers, what do we know on their security practices? What do we know on their um, uh, encryption uh, approaches? And, and last but not least, um, at what point are they required to notify you as a company if there has been a breach or attempted compromise of your data store? 
Another recommendation, you spoke to this to some extent, was to develop an incident plan. Now, as we know that the threats that we've faced over the past couple of years have somewhat changed who needs to be involved with the plan and, and how it's spread across the organization. What specific recommendations do you make for individuals and organizations to be better prepared to deal with incidents when they do arise? Well, I think, first of all, is when we scope out a, a breach, we need to also recognize about 25% of the data loss incidents are actually a result of uh, an employee losing a, a notebook, a hard drive backup, or a USB stick, other forms. So it's not just the cyber criminal. So in scoping this, you might say, well, geez, I don't have threats, but no one's going to attack my server. Well, that would be misguided. So to your point about creating a plan, one of the things that's really critical is you have someone who is appointed with decision-making capability of how to respond. What you don't want to have a situation with is in the middle of a holiday weekend that someone at your IT desk recognizes something's happened to a server and starts calling around and trying to find out who, who should um, get involved. So it's really key that you have a designated owner at an executive level who can work cross-company. And he needs to, or she needs to have the ability to have this task force with representatives of every aspect of the company, operations, employment, finance, HR, and such, involved. And to be now thinking about every element of a plan. One, obviously if you plan in advance, you know where your data is stored, you know your backups are, you also know what data attributes are on those files. Um, the second thing is making sure that your IT department has fully enabled logs and the logs should make sure that you're going back 12 months or so. And the reason why that's important is, is quite often these breaches are not discovered right away. And you want to look at patterns. And so having your logs of your servers, your application servers, as well as your firewall are really important to be able to provide some indication of what happened, uh, what the scope was, and also to provide some forensics capability. Final question for you, Craig. The bottom line for individuals, for organizations as they navigate 2013, how should they use your guide as a reference, and more, how should they go about protecting themselves and mitigating the risks that are posed against them? Well, I think the first point is uh, recognizing that there's not a silver bullet, there's not a one answer here, and the guide is, is provided to help open that dialogue to a company and to get executives and teams to be thinking about what else they can be doing. So there's multiple layers. Obviously, we talked about there's technical solutions, there's business processes. It's having a plan in place. And then the other part is also, I I should say, one of the key parts of having an incident plan is knowing who to contact. And there's two parts of that. One is the regulatory requirements. Um, There's 46 states uh, and territories that have data breach notification requirements at the state level. And then there's also working with the FBI and Secret Service to help identify where the threats are coming from. So it's important all the way through you take a life cycle approach, a holistic approach of data protection, revalidating the business purpose of the data you have, revalidating your security measures, and again, having that fire drill in place, testing it, educating employees what to do when you um, have a loss incident. And combined, that will clearly better protect the company, their data, their consumers, and their stockholders from potential threats. Great tips. Craig, thank you so much for your insight. Well, thank you very much. We've been talking about the Online Trust Alliance's 2013 Data Protection and Breach Readiness Guide. 
I've been talking with Craig Spiesel, founder and CEO of the OTA. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.